Coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society, we fast travel into your earbuds for the low, low price of $24.99. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, and I am joined, as I am always joined, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. We've got a good show for you today. We are going to be talking about the news from the week, including the reveal of a pricey new Skyward Sword Amiibo, and then some uh, other games coming to the SNES Switch Online. And then on Thursday, we are accurately predicting Nintendo's 2021 E3 presence. But Mark, in the meantime, how you doing? I'm doing good. I it uh, it's a little bit difficult for me to believe that an E3 is actually happening in some form <laughs> or another. E3 is actually happening in just a few weeks. Uh, did you see that they were taking like a uh, registration for like press for the thing? For- I have to be. I have to be completely it's honest. Wild. <laughs> I don't understand what E3 is this year. Like I no don't understand. Like, <laughs> like if if you are signing up, what are you signing up? for? Four is it like exclusive access to question mark to PDFs? I don't know. I don't know what where you're getting. Yeah, I or, or or like streaming video or or something. And it's uh, what what I'm always in uh, E3 for. I, look, I, I do like walking around the show floor. I like putting hands on games. That's all very fun. Um, but in in absence of like a physical material presence, uh, I just want to see a, a a Nintendo Direct. And then I want, like, bullet points from other outlets later about, like, everything else. Are you getting nervous at all? I, I, I know we're still at the top of the show, but are you getting nervous yeah, at all that yeah. we haven't heard anything about, like, Nintendo's E3 presentation? Uh, Mark, I, I worry about everything, panic about nothing. <laughs> the, <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the current marching orders. Uh, no, I don't know. I don't, I, I, uh, Nintendo will tell us when they're ready, and I think they'll be ready the week before. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to to announce uh, what exactly they're gonna do. Um, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not worried. Are you? Are you currently worried? Um, I guess like nobody else really has announced, you know, yeah. any big streaming presentations. So, I, I'm, I'm not nervous. Um, but I'm hoping that we get some details soon. Heck, even by the time maybe this podcast goes live, uh, because Nintendo likes to do some late Monday, early Tuesday stuff occasionally. Speaking of late Monday, early Tuesday stuff, my copy of Sonic Forces, would you like to borrow it? You can certainly try. All you got to do is email us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. gmail.com and give us a mailing address so we can send you my copy of Sonic Forces. There is one thing you do have to look out for. There's not always a copy of Sonic Forces in my copy of Sonic Forces. Sometimes it's a copy of Untitled Goose Game. Uh, and you can't uh, request one or the other. It's just something that happens. It happens to you. The program is, of course, perfect, so whichever one you get, you were meant to get. Um, I don't have any control over it. You don't have any control over it. We all bow to the will of the goose, um, and that's, that's just what it is. The other thing you can do is you can leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. It helps us a bunch. It helps us because people are better able to find our show. It helps mm-hmm. us because it uh, makes us feel good about ourselves. You are spreading cheer 
in the world by leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And we appreciate it a bunch. It, it is not only something that helps people find the show, but it helps them find it and see that it's good. Oh, yeah. Because look. That's an important point. That's a very and important it's, point. It's, it's something I don't think we've ever said before. <laughs> uh, because there are so many podcasts in the world, and they can't all be good, right? So, like, how does anyone find, even when something is surfaced for them, how do they know that what they're about to listen to is, in fact, one of the good podcasts? Uh, you can tell them by leaving a five-star review and uh, saying whatever you want about this show. Yeah, and we'll shout you out on the show when you do. Absolutely. Mark, we have a couple questions here that we need to answer. Um, the first question is from uh, Chariot Goblin. Chariot Goblin writes, Hey, Nintendo Cartridge Society, with the releases of Famicom Detective, of the De- Famicom Detective Club remakes, what other deep cuts or lost pieces of Nintendo history would you like to see brought back? Personally, I'd like to see a remake of the third Famicom Detective Club, which was released exclusively for the Super Famicom Satellaview service in 1997. It's the third game uh, and has Ayumi uh, Tachibana as the main protagonist. Thanks and keep up the great work. Um, I mean, that is a great pick, Chariot Goblin. Um, Another Famicom Detective Club game uh, sounds amazing, especially one that was, you know, the the Satellaview thing was a monstrosity of a hardware slash like live gaming service that nintendo was running um so this would have been something that was like done with real actors in like real time and you had to be like tuned in at it just like the uh um satellaview um uh zelda thing um which would also be a cool thing to to resurface the the legend of zelda bs wait 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 wait, wait. what do you mean what do you mean live actors in real time so like they, there were uh, with the the way the Satellaview worked is it was like a a live uh, like satellite link to like Nintendo headquarters or somewhere where they were like broadcasting actual audio. Um, so like it it was uh in 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 the I know in the the Zelda thing there was like an announcer um or like a storyteller or something like directing people to various um uh, objectives like in the game map. Oh um, whoa! I had no idea that was the case. I thought it was something where like. Basically, they were broadcasting this using like satellite technology, and so it was essentially like time gated, you know, access to games. I didn't realize there was a like live audio component. There's like a host, yeah. That's so weird. <laughs> um, it, it and it's wild, and it's something that I wish uh I, I wish like anyone had the bandwidth for anymore. Um, but it, it's something that I think you know obviously works in the smaller market of Japan. Um, which is, you know, more geographically close and therefore, you know, there's no like time zones that you're messing with or anything like that. Um, but in, in any event, I think that's, that's a great pick. Mark, do you have any deep cuts or lost pieces of Nintendo history you would like to see brought back? You know, something that I think would be cool to see um, more done with is the mysterious Murasame Castle, which was an action adventure game published exclusively for the Famicom in 1986, I think. And in my and I think it's now available on the virtual console for the Nintendo 3DS. And I haven't actually picked it up and played it myself. Um, but the best way that I can describe it is kind of like uh start like how Star Tropics took the Zelda formula and made it something like that was that ended up being exclusive to the West. Um the mysterious Murasame Castle is like taking that Legend of Zelda formula 
and making something that ended up being exclusive to the Famicom in Japan. Um, you know, it has like the same sort of like overworld map. Uh, you go to like five different castles and they're like the dungeons in the original Zelda game. Um, it's, uh, it, it's a little bit like the graphics are a little bit better than the original Legend of Zelda. And, you know, of course, like with so many other video game uh, pieces of history, r- representations of it have ended up in Super Smash Brothers over the years. But uh, I think it'd be cool to like see this brought back. It, I I imagine that they're um, just like Patrick uh, loves Star Tropics. I imagine that there is a Japanese Nintendo podcaster who every show they bring yeah. up the mysterious Murasame Castle. Yeah, I mean, there, there absolutely has to be. Mark, uh, I perhaps prompted by this question earlier this week, I downloaded the mysterious Murasame Castle on the 3DS um, virtual oh, console. Oh, nice. <laughs> and and have, have been playing a little bit of it. Um, it's great. It's hard. Um, I have a, a, a real tough time with it, but I, I enjoy it a lot. It is like um, sort of an action Zelda. Um, and I, the games were released four months apart in Japan. Oh. Um, so they, they share a lot of, uh, of, of DNA. Um, but yeah, that, that, that is a great pull. Obviously, um, also Star Tropics is another one that is, you know, long, long forgotten and kind of, you know, they haven't done anything with since, um, the sequel, which is Zoda's Revenge, uh, subtitle Star Tropics 2. Um, so it'd be great to see one of those, uh, or even those games like remade and sort of like represented would be awesome. Um, I'd like to see, uh, Nintendo revisit the Donkey Kong 94 formula um may turning like the mario thing into a like puzzle platformer um that's really cool and you know, like not uh really repeated like they the, the series kind of like turned into the mario versus donkey kong series um which is more like lemmings but it's something that's like more sort of like hands-on uh puzzle platform uh would be super cool um yeah i, I for, for me the, those are like the two two big ones that i'd, I'd like to see come back yeah, those are good pulls. Um, but I mean, this this uh, Satella View Famicom Detective Club is obviously the right answer. I would also just love to see the uh, the Zelda BS because uh, it ha- not only did it have the like live announcer thing where you're doing like these other objectives. There's a remake of the original Legend of Zelda in the engine of a uh, uh, Link to the Past, like as part of it. Um, oh, why don't why don't we have that? Why don't we have that? So interesting. Yeah. Uh, Another question that we got um, from Pokemaster. Pokemaster wrote, hey, guys, I was curious. Uh, I was curious. I know you guys enjoy the Final Fantasy games, but I was wondering which one is your favorite in the series? In my opinion, I enjoy 9 and 15 because in 9, the characters are some of my favorites. There, There are many memorable, including my absolute favorite character, Vivi. Uh, and then there is uh, 15. I really enjoyed the story, even though it is a divided topic. Uh, I also like the open world and the new direction that it took. Um, Mark, what are your what is your favorite Final Fantasy game? Now, also, I don't know if it's fair that we have to come up with one favorite uh, Pokemon Master when you gave us two. So, but we'll <laughs> we'll figure it out. I haven't played 15. Um, and so, ooh, this is a tough. This is tough. Yeah. I think... Oh, man. I think I'm going to go with 9 as well. But it's... 
really hard for me to choose between nine and six, but I think yeah. I'm going to go with nine, even though I have to admit, and I think I've talked about this on the, in the past on the show and Patrick, you've chastised it for me. You've chastised me for it as well. I don't get the Vivi love and I know that people do, but I find that it, the character supremely annoying but um i do he really is like an nine. animated doll who <laughs> contemplates his own mortality when he discovers that there are millions out there like him it's heartbreaking mark yeah i liked it better when his name was buzz lightyear whoa <laughs> yeah okay um well mark it's okay that you uh have to choose between um nine and six because for me the answer is six um slash final fantasy three um I love the the fact that the world ends during uh during the gameplay. The cast of characters is amazing. I just I, I love that game. But uh I have a hard time also choosing between I, I feel like I'm boring. I feel like I have the boring answer of I like four, six, seven, and nine. Um like I, the they're just they're just all great games. Um but for me like six kinda edges them out. And also maybe because I was thirteen when that game came out. Yeah, could also be it. Yeah, it could also be it. And I feel like like I came to seven later. Like I didn't play it when it was initially released. So mm. I I think that maybe like I had already played like nine and ten by the time that um I like went back and played seven. So I think that has something to do with like the way that I view seven. Um, but you know it's interesting for me. I feel like nine is the kind of like the end of what I think of as like Final Fantasy in my mind. And yeah. like 10, 12, 13, um, those to me feel like something completely different that like have the Final Fantasy name. Like I really like 10. I really like 12. Um, but it's just not like the same thing to me. Like nine is the uh, SNES games that I love in like that um, 32 bit fidelity. Yeah. And it's kind of like the perfect like end note for how I think of Final Fantasy in that era. Yeah, it's sort of the last time for me that the Final Fantasy games feel even remotely uh Dragon Questy. Yeah, totally. Um, that that like they that they're willing to uh, embrace the sort of like cute side of of uh like a fantasy RPG um which, you know, like, you know, 8 strays pretty far from um and 7 is still sort of like leaving, but like 6, 5, 4, all of those still have like that very like if not chibi, at least like kind of anime style um, that uh, like it just goes from like Saturday morning cartoon anime to like, you know, grown up self-serious anime uh, in, in the, the transition to like 10 and then 12 and 13. Um, so, yeah, I, I need that. I need that pre-transition uh, time. Yeah. And it's so interesting because like the story in six is like incredibly dark, but there's yeah. something about like that, like I. Uh, um 16 bit presentation that does like kind of like make it feel cuter and uh yeah and so once they hit like the PlayStation 2 era when they can present like the gravity of the story in kind of like a realistic fidelity it just changes the feel of the series and not necessarily in a bad way it just doesn't feel like um Final Fantasy to me but that's because like you were saying I was like 13 when I was playing a lot of these games for the first time right. Right. And so, you know, like... Uh, hard to, hard to that, compete with that feeling of being yeah. 13. <laughs> completely, completely. Um, all right. Thank you so much for the emails, Chariot Goblin and Pokemaster. Uh, Mark, let's get into what we've been playing this week. 
Uh, Mark and I are both playing the Famicom Detective Club games. Uh, I know we both finished uh, The Missing Air um, last week. Uh, Mark, have you picked up slash have you started playing The Girl Who Stands Behind yet? I picked up The Girl Who Stands Behind. I haven't started it yet. Uh, so I, I'm a couple chapters into it. I am loving it in the same way I was, I was loving the first one. Um, but I'm going to cut our conversation about uh, the Famicom Detective Club games off here because next week, Thursday, we are going to do a deep dive discussion uh, about both of these games. Uh, we are going to uh, talk about the gameplay. We're going to talk about the stories. We're going to do spoilers. Um, uh, you know, there'll be a warning before we jump into spoilers and everything. Um, but if you have any questions, and I understand that the Famicom Detective Club games are weird or maybe too expensive or whatever. So if you have questions, if you're curious, um, write into us as soon as you can at Nintendo Cartridge Society at gmail.com. At gmail.com. And give us your questions about Famicom Detective Club uh, so we can read them and talk about them on the show next week. Um, so sooner rather than later, I guess uh, next Wednesday, which is going to be June 2nd, um, would be the, the cutoff for that. Um, no, am I right? I am think I wrong it's there? The, Did I go too I far? I think it's the third. I think it's the third. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, we're no. freestyling this part of it. No, <laughs> no one knows. Now I'm doubting next myself. Wednesday. Yeah. Um, but that, that has taken up most of my gameplay time um, o- over the last uh, week. Um, so I don't really have uh, anything else to report there. Yeah, you know, the uh, other thing I wanted to pick up is um, Knockout City, the new like um yeah like multiplayer competitive uh dodgeball game from ea and there's a free trial going on through i think memorial day um and so i still want to pick it up but i haven't yet but patrick maybe you and i can get a few rounds in before it ends yes absolutely let's do that it is uh it's free for the first 10 days on all platforms it's everywhere the game is everywhere it's cross-platform it's like a uh steampunk slash uh, like 50 sock hop aesthetic uh, dodgeball game in the city. Uh, it's great and super fun. I really enjoyed the, the open beta. Um, and yeah, I want to get in there and, and play, play some rounds, throw some balls. And Patrick, I uh, am also happy to tell you that you were in fact correct. It is the second Wednesday, yes. June 2nd. So let us never forget that, that that is the day that you should get your Famicom Detective Club questions into us. Yeah, as soon as you can, uh, and no, no question is to whatever, whatever, whatever questions you have, I'm happy to explain uh, this game, uh, these games, uh, what the experience is of playing them, uh, suggested orders to play them, all kinds of things. Yeah, and impressions. If you have played these games, we yeah. would love to know what you think of them. Absolutely. Let's make it. It's a conversation, Mark. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, those. That's what we've been playing this week. Let's get into the new releases and what we might be playing next week today may 25th very very valet is released for switch this is the game that was first shown off at the at an indie world showcase i believe mm-hmm. a few months back i think it looks kind of cute you play as this weird like muppety looking fuzz monster and uh it looks like a kind of like physics based competitive multiplayer game yeah, it, it looks like another entry in the uh, overcooked but for blank. Um, and so it looks like it's the, the overcooked but for parking cars. <laughs> also today, Shin Megami Tensei 3 Nocturne HD Remastered is released for Switch. If you got the deluxe digital edition, you were able to play it four days ago. 
but for anybody who didn't get the deluxe edition, it's now available to play. It's a 50, 50 bucks. I've never played any of these games before, um, and I was kind of tempted by this one, but reading more about it, it's like, yeah. I, I think th- even though there's like an easy mode in uh, this version of it that's new to the HD remaster, it still seems too like mechanically intense for me. Yeah, that's what all of the early reviews that uh, I, I was looking at said that it is uh, too difficult, too grindy. Um, you know, all whatever improvements have been made to the game, uh, there's no real like uh, e- easing up or like modernizing for, uh, you know, a 2021 audience. Um, yeah. Yeah, because I think it was originally a PlayStation 2 game. And so. I this is still a series that like I want to try someday, and so maybe Shin Megami Tensei four or five. I guess it's five yeah. that was announced for Switch way back at the Switch reveal in January of 2017. Oh um, God, that's right. Was it last year at one of the partner showcase directs that we got uh, like another tease for it? But we really haven't had a full reveal of this fifth game in the series, and so maybe that'll be the one that I finally try yeah i I, yeah that's certainly not before that one on wednesday may 26th we're getting new games for the snes switch online and the nes switch online mark let the weird decisions uh commence let's talk about the five first of all five games we're getting five games for the uh online services uh that you know you already have access to if you're a nintendo uh switch online subscriber um let's how do you want to approach these because there are five of them and they're all weird (laughs) okay let's well let's try to break it down one by one we'll start with spanky's quest um which was originally published by natsume and you're like a monkey in this and it is a platformer that is what i'm taking away from it it's like a platformer like action game where you are the the video clip they showed in in the opening trailer seemed like it was a boss fight a monkey that like throws bubbles up into the air and then hits him with his head to turn them into uh like soccer balls or baseballs or whatever and those damage the enemy i don't i'm i am not familiar with spanky's quest originally came out on the super nes in 1992 also is joe and mac um, also known as Caveman Ninja, this is a game that, in some form or another, has definitely been released. Maybe as part of like arcade archives. Um, so maybe this is like the Super Nintendo. Yeah. Ver- Obviously, it's the Super Nintendo version, which I'm guessing we haven't had before. Yeah, that's right. And also, it will join Joe and Mac Two, which is already on the uh, Super NES Switch Online. So it is. We are filling out the Joe and Mac series. Much like, uh, you know, the the Donkey Kong Country series was filled out on the SNES Switch Online, so too will the Joe and Mac series. Next is Baseball Simulator 1.000. This, okay, in the little clip that they show of this, this actually looks kind of cool. It looks a little bit (laughs) rad, but mostly maybe because there was like some weird like lightning effect um, going on, but uh, I... Of the, of the SNES baseball games, this is definitely, if you're not going to get Ken Griffey Jr. baseball on there, um, Baseball Simulator 1.000 seems like the way to go. Also, 
Also included was Magical Drop 2. Uh, Magical Drop is a Data East developed puzzle game series that started in arcades in 1995. Uh, the Neo Geo version of Magical Drop 2 has been available on Switch since 2017. Uh, but this is the previously unreleased English version of the Super Famicom game. Or I maybe it's the English version. Maybe it's like some of the other ones where it's yeah, still it's just clear. like in Japanese. <laughs> a lot of there does appear to be um like some text in english in there but i'm not convinced until i get my hands on it and i'm playing it that it is actually um in english this is a super weird one um i like i i like that they have been including these uh super famicom um puzzle games like we've gotten paneled upon and puyo um and the third one which i can't remember off the top of my head um that have all been like super fun to play um and uh like i'll absolutely give this one a shot uh but it's so weird that like here's a here's a game that has sort of been released um in the form of the neo geo version of this game uh and also just like knowing that this is a the series started in arcades in 1995 and so this version came to the super famicom in like 96 like a super late super famicom game um, like well into the uh, life cycle of the um, Nintendo 64. Uh, so uh, this, for me, this is the most interesting one. And then we're also getting a new NES Switch Online title. It is Ninja Jaja Marukun, uh, from published by Jellico uh, in 1985. It's a Famicom game that was never originally localized outside of Japan. But has come to uh, virtual consoles um, in uh, uh, Europe and North America um, in 2007. Uh, this looks like a, a 1985 game to me. <laughs> like, it looks, I feel like I played uh, like old Macintosh games that, that were, uh, that looked at and played like this, like a, a ninja platformer. Um, it, it scrolls back and forth, but it's still sort of like a, a single screen mentality, right? Like you're not actually like adventuring somewhere. Um, it's all just sort of like Donkey Kongy, uh, like puzzly. Yeah, I mean, I feel like any time that these are getting announced, we kind of have a similar conversation where it's like, what is the deal with this combination of games? Like, how did these get yeah. picked? Why are these the ones that are showing up? Um, like i i'm of two minds one where it's like of course i want like a new like i want n64 games or i want gamecube games or i want uh Game Boy games or something like that on the on part as part of switch online but on the other hand it's like i think it's kind of cool that we're getting this like magical drop too and we're getting this you know nes game that uh, previously was only on virtual console like i think it's kind of neat to get these like stranger games as well especially when you have a a lot of like Nintendo's first party catalog already on the system. Yeah. I mean the 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 one thing that I feel like this is missing is the star title. Like I feel like in the past we've gotten like uh one weirdo title, one star, like a Donkey Kong Country game, and then like, you know, two other like kind of shovely, you know, what whatever kind of games. Uh, and in this one we've got like two weirdo games, uh, and then like three kind of garbage ones um but yeah i mean it's it, it it just says previous releases uh i find this all very interesting i will give them all a shot uh because why not i already pay for it of course uh japan is not getting all of these titles 
uh, Japan isn't getting Spanky's Quest, and they're not getting Baseball Simulator 1.000. Instead, they're getting Doomsday Warrior, which is an SNES fighting game from 1992, developed by Lasersoft. And they're getting Fire Never Emblem. Em. Gen- <laughs> yeah, same. Uh, maybe developed by the uh, American Gladiator Laser, potentially. Mm, there we go. And Fire Emblem Genealogy of the Holy War, which was a Super Famicom game that has never been localized outside of Japan. Again, if you want to check out the Japanese titles, it's pretty easy to on Switch. You just need to create a Japanese eShop account, which is easy to set up. And then you switch to that um, on your Switch. You download the Japanese SNES Switch Online and NES Switch Online. Um, I guess it'd be Famicom Online. Yes. Apps. And then you can like one and then you can go back to your English account and like access this library anytime you want. But they will of course the, be in Japanese. So <laughs> Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh the Verge's headline about this announcement was Nintendo Switch Online reaches more than a hundred retro games, which I guess is true. I hadn't really thought about it. Yeah, it's wild. We we are now at a hundred and four games. And I, I was initially suspicious. I was like 104? Are we counting some of those SP versions of games uh, on the um, NES Switch Online? And no, there are 104 separate games plus 15 um, SP versions. Uh, and I did, I did a breakdown. Mark, I broke it all down so that we know exactly how much of everything we have. Um, there are 54 NES games, four Famicom games, uh, one of which is versus Excite Bike. So that's like kind of Excite Bike gets counted twice. Um, 38 uh, Super NES games and seven Super Famicom games, um, which is a cool spread. Like there's for, for as much like kind of, you know, uh, garbage as there is in there. Um, th- there's a lot. There's a lot that you can just browse and play and screw around with. Um, and even if uh, something, you know, one one game doesn't uh, hold your attention, like there's, you know, 103 others that might. Okay, refocusing on new releases because we have not finished going through them yet. Oh, geez. On Thursday the 27th, there's an Oddworld collection being released for Switch. Uh, it includes Oddworld New and Tasty, Oddworld Munch's Odyssey, and Oddworld Stranger's Wrath. And then also that day is Super Bomberman R Online, which was previously a Stadia exclusive and is a free-to-play game. Um, this Super Bomberman R Online was uh, one of the things that um, Stadia was touting as like uh, only possible because of the way like Stadia's all online infrastructure works. Uh, and turns out, no, it's coming to all platforms. Um, and uh, like Mark said, uh, is uh, free to play. It has a like 64 player um, battle royale mode. Um, so and I think that's, you know, largely what uh, Stadia was touting uh, as like needed their technology. Um, but yeah, so uh, there's another free-to-play Battle Royale game out there. Yeah, I guess um, uh, you'll interest me when it's 99 players at a time. Yeah, that's right. Except no substitutions. <laughs> and then on Friday, May 28th, World's End Club is released for Switch, um, which we saw this also, I think, in a Indie World showcase, and it looked kind of interesting. Yeah, I mean, mostly it's just cool uh, to see the uh, these games, uh, the Indie World Showcase games actually come to fruition. Um, 
I feel like so frequently there are like those games that get announced and then we're like, when is Skatebird coming out? Um, and it's just uh, neat to see both uh, World's End Club and uh, the Very, Very Valet actually hit, hit the platform. Um, okay, Mark, those are the new releases. Let's close this out. Now it is time for a regular segment on our show. It is time for 433. In 1952, American composer John Cage wrote a piece called 433, wherein a performer or group of performers didn't play their instruments for 4 minutes and 33 seconds. For the purposes of this show, our instruments are talking about Nintendo. So, for the duration of one performance of 433, Mark and I will talk about something not at all Nintendo-related, thus fulfilling the contract of the piece. Uh, our topic today comes from Dominic for, for our 433 episode. Um, the prompt is just breakfast foods. Mark, do you like breakfast foods? Yeah, but I'm I'm like a sweet breakfast person. Like uh, mm. I I'm not really looking for anything savory. I like throw off the sheets in the morning, and I'm looking for something that is going to satiate my sweet tooth. Um, you and I could not be more different in this regard. Um, I loves me some morning eggs. Uh, I gotta scramble up some eggs. I get some like eggs and toast. That's great. Or like a smoothie. That's really good for me, too. Um, lately, Sarah and I have been doing a, a chia seed pudding. Uh, so it's like chia seeds soaked in uh, almond milk with like some honey. Um, so like that with some berries, like that's really good. Um, do you are you a like I need breakfast kind of guy or do you normally for like skip breakfast? I I probably I normally like skip like a big like full breakfast, which is a terrible, terrible, terrible idea. Because like no one knows. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I don't I, I don't mean in the sense like the breakfast is the most important meal of the day to, type thing. I mean it in the sense that like by the afternoon, because I, I eat like lunch late too. And so like by the mm. afternoon, I'm like, I feel terrible. It's hard for me to focus but I'm going to finish this before I go eat lunch. And then after, you know, like I eat lunch, I'm like, wow, I feel so much better. I have energy. Like I can actually do stuff. And it's like, ah, if only I would eat breakfast in the morning, I could feel this way more often. Yes. Well, you and I were talking about this before we started rolling today, but like I used to really be in a habit of like waking up early, going for a run, making myself breakfast, which is good because then like you need to eat something because you just, expended a lot of energy uh you you're you're body hungry at that point you're not just like you know <laughs> you're not just like grouchy hungry um but yeah i i mean in, in the absence of uh getting up early enough to go for the run um i still get up early enough to make myself breakfast i don't know and there's something nice to me about like the ritual of it too of like mm -hmm. um doing something nice for myself like you know i also make coffee every morning um so like just knowing that there's that those uh, that like a, a breakfast and coffee are like locked and loaded. It's something I've done. It's nice. It's pleasant. I can have a good time with it. Um, and then start a day. Like I always, I always appreciate when the first thing I do in the day isn't go to work. You know, I didn't understand for the longest time that pop tarts are supposed to be like a pastry. It's like a fast, easy equivalent of like a Danish, hmm. right? <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, I, I suppose so. I mean, what, what else, what else is it? What, what, how else do you conceive of a pop tart? Um, I mean, I guess you could say that it's like similar to toast in like a really loose, loose way, right? 
They're both toaster related. Oh, I guess we will uh, never know. Uh, we were accompanied today by the Berliner Philharmoniker. All right, Mark, let's get into the news. We are only a few short weeks away from the release of The Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword HD on July 16th. And last week, Nintendo revealed a special amiibo that'll be released the same day. It is Zelda with uh, the bird Loftwing. And using the amiibo in-game, will fast travel Link to the sky um, if he's on the ground. And if he's used in the sky, it will return him from the last place he was when you used it. Which um, is a pretty cool feature. I actually haven't played Skyward Sword, so I don't know how... Um, uh, useful it is, but it seems like something that speedrunners will take advantage of for sure. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's uh, is it is it Pharaoh's Wind uh in uh uh Ocarina of Time that gives you the ability to do basically that of like exit a dungeon uh from like a specific or from any point you want, and then you use use it again to like go back into the exactly that same spot, um. And like kind of exiting for the purpose of like resupplying yourself and then going back in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And so I uh, I actually think this is a incredibly good looking amiibo. It's just Nintendo, it's interesting how they've they're treating amiibo. Like, I don't know when they decide something's going to get an amiibo, but this is probably one of the better looking ones ever. I think it's really cool. Yeah. And like way cooler than Remember when they were doing the like all the Zelda amiibo for like all of the games, mm-hmm. and they did one for they did one for Skyward Sword that's like just Link, and it's like what the heck? You've got so many amiibos that are just Link, like they're all just Link, um, you know, with yeah. the exception of the uh, um, Wind Waker ones where there is a, a, a Wind Waker Link and a uh, Zelda um, together. But it's like why uh, it's it's amazing that uh, they didn't do that on the first go round with this. And I'm I'm glad to see a, you know, something weirder uh, with the, the loft wing that's like nuzzling up to, to Zelda. It's so cool. Yeah. And I feel like when they've had like two characters before, like for Banjo and Kazooie, like it is just kind of like one character, but this feels like two like full size yeah. amiibo characters sharing one base. It's 25 bucks which I guess I actually haven't been paid attention to how much Amiibo were in the past. So I'm assuming that's a premium, but I actually don't know for sure. Yeah, it's on the high side. Um, you know, they uh, Amiibo started in the like $13, $14 range and have been kind of creeping up ever since. Um, but I don't think that like normal Amiibo have really crossed the $20 barrier um, before. Obviously like packs that include uh, multiples. I think uh, back in the day I got the um, Rob the Robot Mr. Game and Watch and the Pac-Man was he the third one uh, of like the the classic gaming series um I I think I got those for $25 I think for the same price um as as this but it might have been $35 now that I'm thinking about it, it's probably $35 <laughs> um but you know re- regardless it it is a little bit of a premium um and then you know no surprise uh, uh or I guess it was a surprise that it was this much um, because it did, this was not the price was not listed on the video revealing the amiibo. Um, the price was only listed on pre-orders when it be when they became available on you know Best Buy and GameStop and Amazon and all that, uh, which have all of course promptly uh, sold out. 
Um, so, you know, I'm seeing them already resell for like $60, $70. Um, wow. Which is just is uh, what, what that is. I'm sure there will be more actually available on um, the 16th, on July 16th. Um, but yeah, as of right now, it's turned into one of those uh, dumb Nintendo collectible things. Which, of course, I have a pre-order for. <laughs> it is it is like it is cool looking i i think it's a very yeah. cool looking amiibo and having that added functionality i think is kind of neat yeah i mean it's uh i i know that there is some like tension over um whether that functionality should just be built into the game as it is uh that you don't wouldn't need to use uh, an additional 25 dollar piece of plastic in order to to access it um but i don't i mean I don't know. I, I think the uh, dungeons in Skyward Sword are designed for you not to be able to uh, travel back to the sky at any time. Um, so it shouldn't be too much of an inconvenience to play the game <laughs> the way it was designed. Um, but, you know, I, I, I get I, I get the frustration of, like, knowing there's a feature in the game and not being able to uh, unlock it without the amiibo. I also understand the frustration of having an amiibo and having it not do anything cool. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if there's any any winning for uh, Nintendo in uh, how the, how they announce amiibo functionality here or in the future. Yeah, I I guess I'll kind of like I have to withhold judgment because I've never played Skyward Sword before, and so I don't really have any idea like if this feature is like really needed, like if it's a quality of life feature that like should be available to everybody, or if it's just like. Um, you know, the Wolf Link amiibo in Breath of the Wild, where it's like, it is an added bonus, but you don't necessarily miss out if you don't have it. Oh, I love my Wolf Link amiibo. Again, I, I record, uh, I put my phone on top of him every time we record. Uh, and he's just so handsome. I love him. He's got 18 hearts. He's the best. Uh, we got some details about the DLC packs coming to Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity, which... I could have sworn that, like, we knew this before, but it turns out that previously they just told us it was coming with some vague details, and now we actually have the um, details on what are going to be released in each pack. Yeah. Uh, and uh, maybe even, like, pack is... It's it's one pack that you buy for uh, $19.99, um, and then it comes out in two waves. Uh, and there's also a, a purchase bonus um, which is available on May 28th, which is just the um, the uh, prototype ancient gear uh, and uh, a short sword for, for Link. Um, so it's a costume and a weapon for Link. Um, but I think that's all very funny of like purchase bonus. It's like, no, it's just it's just part of the content you're buying. <laughs> there's, no, there's no other way to get it. And then wave one in June includes an added playable character which um singular just one which i mm -hmm. uh, so it's interesting to me okay actually let me run this down first so added playable character new challenges in the royal ancient lab and added weapon types uh parentheses action styles and then newly added challenging enemies so they're not like delineating who the added playable character is yet is that right just that one is coming so yeah they they are not specifying who the added character is and they're also sort of tiptoeing around uh, what was teased before uh, uh, when when the DLC packs were originally announced, um, or the the pack was originally announced that uh, they were it was going to include an expanded roster, 
which sort of gives the impression that there's going to be more than one additional character. Um, and we may see that uh, actually come true in the um, in the second wave of, of DLC in November. Um, but in June, there's just one added playable character. So it, it feels a little on the slimy side, uh, but what are you going to do? And then wave two, which is coming in November, uh, includes newly added character vignettes, newly added stages, an expanded roster, so at least one more new character, presumably, and then new <laughs> battle skills for existing characters. So it kind of seems like wave two is maybe the meteor one um, with added stages, but hard to tell. It, uh, to your point about it feeling a little slimy, like I feel like these expansion pass things are, it's always complicated because they're like, you can give us your money now if you want, but we don't actually right. tell you exactly what's coming until later. Uh, and it's so easy, like, I have definitely done it before, where it's so easy to get caught up in, like, the excitement of it, that you're like, yeah, I'm going to pay for it right now, and then later you kind of end up regretting it. Well, especially when Wave 1 is in June. June is next week. Like, <laughs> tell us who this character is. Like, this is, this is them detailing yeah. the new content. Um, it's like, come on, out with it. I'm also... Uh, I, I wrote this in our notes here, and I don't really know how to approach it, um, but they, they use the words new, newly added, and added, what appear to be inter interchangeably, but I'm not sure if they're, like, new challenges in the Royal Ancient Lab. Okay, here are new challenges. But then there are also parts where it says newly added challenging enemies. So is that just that they want you to know that they're not, like, inventing a new enemy? It's just one that wasn't in the, this game before? Why are they saying that? Why newly added? What does that mean? Oh, yeah. That is. That's really weird. Or does it mean that, like, it's not... Yeah, that's really weird. Newly added challenging enemies. Is it, like, not going to be a new enemy type? And that's what they're saying is it's, like, it's not a new enemy type. It's that we're adding, like... We're placing new enemies, and they are going to be more challenging. I don't know. It's not clear. Because newly added also applies to, in Wave 2, newly added character vignettes. So there weren't these character vignettes before, but there were some character vignettes. And maybe they're character vignettes from somewhere else? Because they're not saying new character vignettes. They're saying newly... I don't... I can't parse this language, Mark. <laughs> maybe we are. Maybe maybe we are reading too much into it, and it's just the copywriter who got bored with just, was looking for inventive ways to say like new and uh, additional, and so they were like newly added. I haven't used that before. New battle skills for existing characters, but not newly added battle skills for existing <laughs> characters. I don't know. I don't know what this means. Yeah, well, with with the uh, the other kind of like lack of details, it does make you. It, I think it's worthwhile to question like what exactly are they getting yeah. across here. Okay, now E three is just a few weeks away, like we said at the beginning, and I think it is time for us to dive into some E three rumors before we get oh into boy. our predictions on Wednesday. It's so, a fair point, but I, I, I do want to, before we dig into it too much, um, I think for the purposes of us still having predictions for Wednesday, 
we need to no maybe maybe it'll be okay maybe we can comment on this all we want and we'll have different predictions i think that's fine yeah we we we, we can feel it out we can feel it out um yeah, we can all right, see all how right. we can see how it goes but here's Things a, get like dicey a root- just say the word i'll pull the ripcord we'll get out of there real fast <laughs> <laughs> So here's kind of like a roundup of various rumors that have been making its way around the web uh, the past couple of weeks. So for me, the one that stands out the most is about a week ago, Nintendo Life posted a report from an anonymous but reportedly reliable source telling that it, them that a new Donkey Kong game is in production at EAD Tokyo, which is the same development team as like Mario Odyssey, Captain Toad Treasure Tracker, and other titles. This was backed up by Donkey Kong fan site DK Vine, who uh, has been reporting for a few years now that Nintendo brought Donkey Kong back in-house. And then other uh, sources of various reputations have chimed in as well. Um, there's not necessarily a ton that we know concrete about this. Like, it's unknown what type of game it is. Some reports are saying, like, for sure it's 2D. Others are saying... It's like maybe two and a half D, it's 3D, maybe it's a mix. So reports are all over the place. Um, it's also maybe related to Donkey Kong's 40th anniversary, but that could also just be co- completely coincidental. Like, I'm not sure Nintendo cares or wants to celebrate Donkey Kong's 40th anniversary. Right. I mean, how many anniversaries can they celebrate simultaneously? Like, it just doesn't make a lot of sense and they for whatever reason they've decided that 35 is an anniversary that they're like celebrating so like we missed it for donkey kong we missed it sorry we'll pick you up on the 50 dk vine uh they have a three hour podcast episode where they discuss what they know about uh why the new game is being made by ead and the various false starts donkey kong has had since tropical freeze first released um, it I I listened to it on one and a half speed, and it it was interesting <laughs> to um get the kind of like general story. Um, according to DK Vine, um, you know, like Nintendo wants to do has wanted to do something with Donkey Kong, and like re- uh, Retro was working on one for a while that got canceled. Another like third party was working on one that also got canceled. Because Nintendo decided that they wanted to bring it in-house. Um, part of that is, uh, again, according to DK Vine, Shigeru Miyamoto has always had like a really soft spot for Donkey Kong. And there are a lot of newer developers at Nintendo of Japan who uh, grew up like loving Donkey Kong, loving the Donkey Kong Country games. And, you know, like it, Donkey Kong has kind of been a franchise without a permanent home for some time now. And so I think the idea is that they wanted to bring it back in-house um, and kind of create a game that honors the games that they love. So the rumors are saying that it's not like going to be titled Donkey Kong Country, but it is going to be in that same spirit. We'll possibly have the Kremlins, we'll possibly have King K. Rule, because apparently King K. Rule completely dominated the Smash Brothers fan poll. And that kind of took Nintendo by surprise. And so they sickos. were like, oh. You're all sickos. <laughs> <laughs> so they were like, oh, okay. Like, um, there is clearly something here and uh, that, like, they haven't really dug into for a long time. And so I don't really know what to make of all of this. It seems like 
more than some of the rumors that we get, you know, like Pokemon Stars or uh, like the uh, Star Fox Racer. Yep. That there, there feels like there feels like there's a lot of smoke here. Um, so I'm I'm completely in for this. I think it could be awesome. Oh, I it, I mean, it certainly could be awesome. I I, I feel like uh, the future of the Donkey Kong series is you know necessary has got to be coming back under um nintendo's like in-house development it's just strange that it's been such a um outside development uh entity for so long right like um the donkey kong that we know today is basically invented by rare um and then like you know refined by retro with um returns and tropical freeze um and like you know i know that there have been uh Nintendo developed uh Donkey Kong games in the form of like um the uh oh the one that you play with the bongos what's the name Jungle of that Beat. game Jungle Beat um and you know the the like Donkey Kong King of Swing games uh and like all these sort of like smaller experiences but like Nintendo hasn't Nintendo proper hasn't done like a mainline Donkey Kong country style game um so I I mean I'll be fascinated to see what they do um and if they like distinguish it enough from um the country games to actually make it um something else uh with like the same cast of characters and all that or are we just getting donkey kong uh 65 is that what's happening <laughs> donkey kong 128 well the interest yeah it's interesting <laughs> that you bring up it's interesting that you bring up jungle beat because that of course was developed by what is now ead tokyo and that right. is the game that uh, they developed right before they got moved to working on the Mario mainline series. And, you know, they followed it up with Super Mario Galaxy. And, um, like, Jungle Beat was kind of Nintendo's attempt at the time to create, like, uh, the next generation of what Donkey Kong platformers could be. Um, I doubt that, you know, like, this new game is going to be a direct descendant of um, Jungle Beat. but the other thing that's kind of like interesting about this is when I think of Donkey Kong, I now think of it as like a 2D platformer. But some of yeah, the discussion same. around the um this rumor was like there there's a vocal contingent of people who didn't grow up playing 2D platformers. And so like a like a 2D side-scrolling game is just as it's it's a it's a niche thing now, you know. Like it's like three D platformers are the mainstream, and so I I'm super curious to see where they take Donkey Kong, and if they do keep it as like a side scrolling thing, if it's a combination of both somehow, um, yeah, it'll be really interesting. I mean, to it's see. it's it, like it's interesting to co- compare like the two different uh, like pillars that we have here. One is that like what is a Donkey Kong slash Donkey Kong country style game, a 2D platformer, but what is, you know, what are we expecting out of like EAD mainline uh, Nintendo? Um, sort of we're expecting a, a 3D game, right? Like we're expecting uh, Odyssey or you mentioned Captain Toad Treasure Tracker. Um, and it's like, which of those impulses wins out? Like, and is there room in the world for like a 3D Donkey Kong 64 style game, even if they like, tone down the collectible aspects and everything that's annoying about that uh that game um like is there room in the world for that yeah and like what if it's not a platformer at all what if it's like some oh weird like 
Breath of the Wild type thing. Look, if they if Nintendo makes me buy another pair of plastic bongo drums, I will be happy. I will be so glad <laughs> to welcome extra plastic into my house uh and so I can bang on some drums. So I'm I I mean what what whatever it is, I'm I'm interested um and, but at this point I do I do believe that there is some kind of Donkey Kong game uh out there that is getting close enough that I don't know that we'll see it at E3, um, but it, it's something that I'm I, I am now like uh, letting take up space in my imagination. Another thing that I'm not sure that we're going to see at E3, but has been heavily rumored for years now, is a new 2D Metroid game from Mercury Steam, who uh, you know most recently developed Samus Returns for the Nintendo 3DS, and this you know like the narrative goes that they created this remake and kind of as like the training wheels for being able to create their own 2D Metroid. Um, So I liked Samus Returns, but I didn't love it. But I would be curious to see what uh, Mercury Steam does on like a new Metroid game. And if we get like a proper like Metroid sequel after all of these years. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, that that would be great. I would love to see a Metroid Five. Um, that's just exactly what I, what I need to see. I did like uh, Samus Returns, and I did love it. Um, it it is a game that I got a one hundred percent clearance rate on. Not something I do frequently. Um, uh, I did everything that game had to offer. Uh, so it, any anything using the the same intellectual property from the same studio. Uh, I'm uh, I'm I'm very excited about this. I don't th- again this this one feels like it's just uh rumor. Um n- not that any of the rest of these have much more like that you can actually like grasp onto. Um but like this is one that I will believe it when I see it and I'll be very excited about it. Yeah, it's one where like logically it makes the story makes sense where you're like sure, of course yeah. they were hired to do like a remake and so they'll just move right on to doing their own thing. But this is one where, yeah, like, I don't know that I've ever seen, you know, like a written article on it. It seems just like message board whispers where it's like, well, so-and-so yeah. said that it was happening. Um, so we'll, we'll see. Speaking. And also just having, having like the narrative that makes sense where you're like, ah, yes, they did this, which means it was a test run for blah, 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 blah. Um, the fact that that story makes sense makes me think that Nintendo's not doing it that way. <laughs> right? Like, right. when has this company ever made sense? Well, another rumor that I um, am skeptical of is that a nearly complete Fire Emblem game is in development at Intelligent Systems. Now, when I say that I'm skeptical of it, it's like, do I believe that Intelligent Systems is working on a new Fire Emblem game? Yeah, I Duh. do. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, so, so I don't think it requires, you know, like a huge... Uh, like a lot of inside sources at Nintendo to know that this is coming. Um, but this specific rumor as such comes from online leaker Zippo. And in a recent blog post, Zippo says, quote, while I haven't been told this part as of this writing, the fans seem pretty sure that this is going to be a remake of the Japan-only Super Famicom title, Genealogy of the Holy War. Now available on the Super Famicom Switch Online. <laughs> right. And, you know, like, uh, Three Houses was released in 2019, and uh, I actually think my understanding is that that one was developed by 
Koei Tecmo mostly and Intelligence Systems was mostly supervising. And we got Three Houses DLC, the end of it, like early last year. But otherwise, it's been quite kind of quiet for Fire Emblem. So it it follows that we would get like something sometime soon and um, a remake, maybe in the style of like Fire Emblem Shadows, uh, could be a good way as like an in-between title before we get the next like big new entry in Fire Emblem. Yeah, I mean, Fire Emblem has been in an interesting place uh, lately. Like, th- there was a a period where we were getting like a flurry of Fire Emblem stuff with, um, as you mentioned, uh, Fire Emblem uh, Echoes, Fire em- yeah, Echo Shadows of Valentia on on the 3DS, um, and Fire Emblem Heroes and Warriors coming out like right at the same time. That's the mobile game and the uh, Warriors style game, uh, the Musou, uh, and then uh, Fire Emblem Three Houses. So like, there is always a uh, or there was uh, until uh, Three Houses came out, just this like deluge of Fire Emblem content, uh, and we are far enough out now that it feels like there should be more appetite for Fire Emblem. Although I guess they did did technically just release um, the original Fire Emblem on Switch. Um, oh, in, in that's December. such a good point. Yeah, that's right. I was trying to, for Fire Emblem's 35th anniversary. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no that's such a good point i was trying to re- remember what other fire emblem related thing was released but i had i totally forgotten about that one um so yeah i mean i guess fire emblem has been kept in the like gamer consciousness but it does it does seem like we're due for something else at this point yeah and i mean this is also one of the rumors that on uh zippo's blog like it doesn't really seem like they care care about it at all, you know? yeah. <laughs> or like yeah. have any investment. I mean, the 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 uh, fans fan, uh, the fans seem to pretty sure that this is a remake of the Japan only blah blah blah. Fans seem to think. What are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, game? another another big rumor that has been out there for like months now is Mario Kart Nine or a new Mario Kart title of some sort coming to Switch, like this holiday or relatively soon i for whatever reason am so skeptical that there is going to be yeah, a no new way mario kart as we know it when like mario kart 8 deluxe continues to sell like 10 million copies every year why bother releasing a new <laughs> one it's the best selling game on switch it, it's yeah uh, i don't know it it it, it uh, well i would love it and i would buy it um it's just going to cannibalize the Mario Kart 8. Uh, as, as long as people are buying new Switches, they're going to buy new Mario Kart 8 Deluxes. Um, so crowding the market with another entry in the series doesn't make any sense outside of I would love it. And then, you know, some other stuff that is out there is like uh, Wind Waker HD and Twilight Princess HD being brought to Switch to kind of like complete those HD bundles. Um, that one, like, again, we heard it around the same time that Skyward Sword HD was announced, and I would believe it, like, it would make sense. Those are kind of the two big titles that are Wii U exclusives that would make a ton of sense to show up on Switch eventually. Um, and so, like, I believe it. I believe that those are coming at some point. I believe that they can come at some point. I also believe that there is no way we hear about uh, any new Zelda games at E3. 
um, with the possible exception of Breath of the Wild 2, but even that I don't think we will. Um, uh, we, we won't find out any, anything about any other Zelda re-releases until after Skyward Sword comes out. Um, like, I, I, I guarantee that like the Tuesday after we'll get a Nintendo Direct uh, being like, here's what else is coming to you from The Legend of Zelda. Depending on what they have for E3, like um, I could I could see them doing like another teaser, kind of like when they did when they announced Skyward Sword HD, where Aonuma is out there and is like, "Hey, yeah. I mean, because you know they they, t- they told us when uh, Skyward Sword HD was announced earlier this year that you're going to hear more about uh, Breath of the Wild two later this year, and that definitely doesn't mean that it's going to be E three. You know, they have a whole half of the year. after that to talk about it if they wanted to but i feel like if they know that it's a guaranteed like gangbuster way to right and and like at least end a show right even just like this tiniest um sliver of a trailer with like a nebulous you know 2022 release date or whatever would make uh a lot of waves yeah yeah which i i think is the the most we will see at at e3 um you know it's uh i i, I don't i don't really know about uh, any of uh, other um zelda remakes coming to switch and finding out about them this year other than if they are and we are going to hear about it it'll be on you know whatever july uh 22nd or something like that put it down right now that's my prediction july 22nd nintendo direct uh zelda collections announced um, Zippo in his blog post also mentions like Super Mario Party 2 and uh just a nebulous other 99 games um in the vein of like Tetris 99 and Pac-Man 99, but seemingly without any additional details or insider info. So I'm rating this rumor on the likelihood scale as like a two, because I do think that another Mario Party would make a ton of sense, but um it doesn't seem like he has any more information than you or I, Patrick. Yeah, I mean, the Mario Party franchise is weird because when it started and they were on the Nintendo 64, they were there was a new one like every 18 months or something like that, right? There are three of those games on the Nintendo 64 and they didn't, you know, launch with the system. Like, you know, when, when they discovered it as like a winning formula, they made a bunch more of them um, and put them out pretty quick. Um, and I know Super Mario Party sold pretty well and they just updated it with like the newer online features. Um, but like, I don't know. I, I feel like they're further away from a, a sequel to that than, uh, anyone thinks they are. And as far as other 99 games go, uh, I feel like, yeah, but not right away. Like we just had Pac-Man. Um, like it'll probably be another year before we hear about another 99 game. Yeah, totally. Like, I, I just don't think it takes really any insider information to be like, Hey, there's going to be another Mario party and probably some other 99 games at some point. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, finally, don't forget that there's a Dragon Quest live stream tomorrow night at 8.30 p.m. Pacific time. And also there's the Monster Hunter digital event tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. Pacific time uh, where they're going to give an update on mo- uh, the DLC for Monster Hunter Rise and then also some more details on Monster Hunter Stories 2, which is coming next month. Is that right? uh yeah i don't remember (laughs) june sounds right though um yeah it's it's interesting that uh capcom is on this like very 
kind of aggressive cadence of uh, update videos about Monster Hunter Rise and then sort of just subsequently stories as well that like it, it gets uh, just sort of like tacked on there. Um, and again, this is part of like being in the initial uh, like worldwide release of a Monster Hunter game that is not common in the West. Um, normally, Monster Hunter games come to us after they've already uh, been um, post-launch developed um, in, in Japan for like a while. Um, so yeah, maybe we're just finally getting that. Um, but Mark, enough of that. Dragon Quest. Are you excited for this Dragon Quest thing? I I I am. I'm uh, cautiously optimistic. I don't want to get my hopes up yeah. that we're going to see anything about like Dragon Quest Twelve. But um, but that uh, even a but even a remake. Honestly, if if we got a remake of Nine, I would be so happy because that was my first Dragon Quest game, and I love 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 that game. And I think a remake, uh, cause like online features played a big part in that game. And so yeah. having that on like a more modern online system would be amazing. Also, I did want to follow up and say that I was incorrect and monster under stories two comes out on July 9th. So it is July. Okay. All right. So, uh, that, that July 9th is uh monster under stories Two. July 16th is uh skyward sword. And of course, July twenty second is when we find out about <laughs> the the other Zelda HD collections that are coming to Switch. <laughs> calling my shot, Mark. I'm calling my shot. Um, all right, uh, that's the news. Let's close this out. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Remember, please rate, review, and follow us on Apple Podcasts. If you like the episode, you can share it on Facebook or Twitter or wherever you share stuff it helps us out a lot when you do that uh, and if you just be like hey i was listening to this i thought it was fun or you know whatever like personalize it uh i think it would i don't know is this good advice i don't know how to use social media uh but but even though i don't you can follow us on twitter i'm at patrick underscore ellers mark is at mke mitchell and the show is at in cart society we also have a facebook page which is just nintendo cartridge society Olivia Duncan made our logo. Our theme music is provided by Ape at Betty. You can get more of his music by going to apeatbetty.com or by listening right now. For my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Eller saying, and there'll probably be a Super Mario Party 3 at some point, too. And thank you for listening. It's Mia. Hey, it's Allie. And we host the Rom-Com Review Podcast, P.S. I Love Rom-Coms. Each week, we'll have incredible guests come and discuss a new rom-com, grand gestures, meet-cutes, and of course, that elusive chemistry. Mia, what are you doing holding that giant boombox over your head? I'm hoping to win over listeners with this grand gesture. Take us back! Find a new episode every week. And subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by Campfire Media. Wow, you're uh, still holding that boombox. Yeah, I've got great upper body strength. Thanks, CrossFit. P.S. I love rom-coms. I love rom-coms. Campfire.